is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I'm joined by two of the only people who are definitely not on the trade block on this trade deadline day because they ain't leaving this podcast for no picks or money. It's Jake Woolhead and Fionn Molloy. Lads, I hope you're happy with the conditions that we have here in the podcast because you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> well, I have to be happy. I don't think anyone's clamoring to get me. So we'll have to see how uh, this trade deadline, what we got a couple more hours left before it finishes. So I might store up a bit of uh, interest now. Well, not Jake only shows up for 50% of the shows anyway. Like surely no one's <laughs> going to want to trade for him. I agree with him. Yeah, stay put. Take well, his, when I do show take up, his... it's a strong performance. So. <laughs> They are memorable. You could definitely say that. <laughs> I'll take memorable. <laughs> uh, we have a great show lined up for you this evening. Of course, we have our, we're have we starting at our later than usual time of 10 o'clock tonight, just because, you know, we want to let everyone watch the football, including possibly myself. Uh, not not uh, trying to do any favoritism there, but we have a great couple of uh, topics to talk about on this week eight review show. And also we're going to look at, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to look at the trade deadline too. Before we get into the show, if you haven't already, make sure you are going to our social channels. That's uh, Twitter at UndercenterPod, Instagram at UndercenterPod, Facebook is there too, facebook.com forward slash UndercenterPod. And then also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not watching us on YouTube right now. Undercenter Podcast, search for us there, subscribe. That's where you'll find our weekly bets show where it's fast turning into our weekly lost bets show lads i think uh what we that's not what we uh we have to really get better at that it's the what not to do podcast i'd like to say <laughs> yeah. because for sure we are not doing very well <laughs> if you want to if you want to figure out where the lads money went Go and laugh at us on youtube other than that i wouldn't be taking <laughs> yeah. much more information out of that to be honest well, uh, yeah, hindsight is both a beautiful and terrible thing. And that the last few weeks has definitely been terrible for for us. Um, a bit more housekeeping to clean up as well before we head into the topics. If you have been paying attention to our social channels this week, you would have seen that we are delighted to announce that we've uh, gone into partnership with McGowan's Pub in Fibsborough. Uh, they are going to be having their NFL nights every Sunday night upstairs in Fibsborough Pub. Uh, it's a really, really good setting. I was there a couple of weeks ago. Some great drinks, of course, cocktails if you want as well. Some fantastic food. They'll have the two main Sky Sports games on uh, every week. The Of course, the 6 o'clock and the uh, half 9 kickoff. But also, they will also have Red Zone on too. So if you don't want to watch any of the four teams, you always have Red Zone there to keep you company let's uh we had this in the books for the last couple of weeks working on it trying to get the details done and we're delighted to announce and we're really looking forward to uh some uh, great nights in mcgowns because i'm sure we have some great ideas that are going to be coming along the pipeline oh yeah i definitely look for forward to a few creamy points and dara screaming at the tv because the seahawks are losing i mean me and fiona already know that our teams are losing so it's fun to see the third member of the podcast uh fail miserably like ourselves yeah, I don't it's necessarily... gonna be great. Yeah, sorry, Fiona. I don't necessarily scream at the TV. I just <laughs> throw my hands up in the air and then put my hands in my face and just be thinking, why, why me and why this team? Just cry yeah. in silence. Yeah, it's what like it the is, rest of know? us. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting better at it. You know, I guess I'm getting used to it. 
I don't know if it's a thing you should get used to. But like I said, yeah, every Sunday down in McGowan's, we'll be there, obviously, every couple of weeks. Uh, we'll try and get down there as much as possible we can ourselves. We do come say hi. We're going to have some great deals. Keep it tuned to our socials because we'll give the details out of the special deals that be going on there in McGowan's throughout the week, um, especially because I believe there could be some sort of happy hour in the works. I'm not going to give too much away, but it could be something to keep an eye on for sure, especially to our social channels. And of course, make sure you follow the uh, McGowan's pub on the social channels, Twitter and Instagram as well. And also, of course, Facebook. But let's get into the topics for tonight. And we're going to start with the trade deadline because about now it's actually kind of closed now, I think, at this stage. Uh, I think because since the clocks went back, my time is all the way over. It was a 4 p.m. Eastern uh, 4 p.m. Eastern uh, cut off for the trade deadline today. So yeah, I think we're it's it's about shut now. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. the window is closed, and it's been quite an uneventful day so far. Yeah, I really uh, I always build this up day up to me. Like I always think, oh, something big's gonna get down, someone's gonna get traded. But uh, come the day, not really excited. Happens probably some depth players get traded that you probably don't know unless you're a fan of the team. So, uh, it, you never know. I just I, I always get excited and it never lives up to my expectations. Yeah, the trade period itself is kind of slow going and deadline day is really only addressing like last minute injuries that have happened that you need to go out and kind of sort out last minute like we've seen. But yeah, the day itself, the last day itself doesn't necessarily usually bring too many fireworks in, in terms of blockbusters. Uh, some storylines that kind of crept up and died down over the last maybe week. But a week is a long time to keep track of all this stuff. I find it very boring. Just tell me now who's moved where, and I'll react to that. I don't really care about what who's gone where. It's at one point Washington were in a three-team trade with like with the Dolphins and and the Texans, I think, or something crazy. So yeah, I mean, all those stories come out, but I mean, it's vaguely interesting. But nothing came of it in the end, and I think that's the case with most of these stories. Yeah, I believe transfer deadline day with the other football, I think has ruined it for us and our expectations has been a little skewed and what to expect when it comes to when the word deadline uh, come and trade become involved. But there have been some noteworthy trades and look, we'll, we'll talk a little about them. Um, obviously, because the, like you said, if you like in the last week, there's been a few. Uh, the Rams traded Kenny Young and a 2024 seventh round pick to the Broncos for a 2024 sixth round pick. Um, Broncos acquiring talent. I don't know why at this point of the season. The the Jets, of course, they got Joe Flacco from the Eagles because uh, Zach Wilson went down. But who needs Joe Flacco when you have Mike White? And I'm sure we'll be talking more about that in a couple of minutes' time. The Texans traded running back Mark Ingram back to the New Orleans Saints for a late round draft compensation. Um, then the big trade that happened yesterday, probably the biggest trade of the week so far, and that is, of course, Von Miller leaving the Denver Broncos and going to the LA Rams for a 2022 second and a 2022 third round pick. Very quickly, also, uh, Melvin Ingram went to the Chiefs in a sixth for sixth round pick, uh, going back to the Steelers, uh, and then this afternoon, Charles Charles. Um, Omenahu uh, went from the Texans to the 49ers for a future late round pick as well. Guys, obviously the the big pick of the week 
has been the Von Miller one. He's teaming up with Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, all in that Rams defense. They are in total win now mode. As they have been for the past couple of years, it seems like they've never stopped being in win now. I think at this stage, it feels like McVeigh actually just wants to go on holiday in April and forget <laughs> about the draft because he wants to give away all his draft picks. He doesn't care. But having said that, that's a quality trade. I think uh, it, it seems like a bit highway robbery, but considering how much you'll have to pay Vaughn, I think he only has this year left, and then you probably have to pay him something next year if you want to keep him. So it kind of is now Super Bowl or bust for the Rams. Um Broncos, I think they've probably seen the writing on the wall. They said this is the season. There's no point in uh, keeping Von Miller any longer than we should. I mean, he's getting on in years. You might as well get something for him and say that you're not going to pay him next year. So, uh, yeah, I think that was a pretty good trade, actually. It kind of benefited both teams. The Rams obviously hadn't got a first-round pick, which I probably would have I would have said that Miller would have got it. But hang on. He got, what was it, the second and the fourth, did you say? Second and the third. Second and a third, so still good value for a player who's still a good disruptive pass rusher. So, and being on a team with uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and stuff, it's only going to help him be more productive. So, yeah, I, I when I seen that trade go down, I went immediately to check how the the Lions' uh, odds for winning the Super Bowl were. <laughs> yeah, so I have to agree with Jake. I have to agree with Jake mostly. It, it was raised my eyebrow a little bit when I saw the value that went back the other way in the picks, a second and a third. Didn't think that was particularly high, but like Jake said, it's it's a big contract that's only going to get bigger, and it's not a player you're going to have for kind of 10, 10 years. It's maybe two, three more seasons with Von Miller, depending on how injuries held up. And he, he has had some injuries, remember, coming into this season last couple of seasons in a row so uh, I think you get good productivity and I think it's pretty reasonable value I think both teams did a, a pretty fair deal there which I think happens most of the time we we tend to big it up but I think most of the time the teams know what they have they know what the value is and especially at this trade deadline day you're not going to see a whole lot of first round picks flying around uh, so I think a second and third is pretty reasonable yeah I am um, and look and also, we should note that the Broncos agreed to take on nine million of the remaining nine point seven million in Miller's contract. Uh, he's out of contract at the end of this year, so we'll see if the Rams do extend him, or if it's just going to be a one uh, season or even half a season deal that they're sending. If it turns out to be half a season deal, that's a lot to pay for. Mm -hmm. I know he's experienced, so an experience and a re still a really good. If they, uh, if they win the Super Bowl, it's a very, uh, very fair trade to make. Even yeah, if, if they the win the Super Bowl, they they, they don't um, they don't care about that. the The only issue I have about it is, and it's a narrative that I've seen a few people have said these last few days about the Von Miller trade, and it's not on the Von Miller side, but on the Rams side of things because they are very fast and loose with their draft picks they they don't mind using draft picks for uh experienced players instead of obviously using those class draft picks on college players that you know are unproven and to an extent i agree with doing that but a lot of people have said oh they're in win now mode if they don't win a super bowl in the next three years they'll turn into the next they say jacksonville or some people are you know one of one of the poorer sides in the nfl but what difference does winning the Super Bowl make to your team? Okay, you've won Super Bowls, but you're still going to be in a lot of trouble, the same trouble 
in the next couple of years. The only difference is you have maybe one, possibly two rings. So why why is it why is it a thing that they have to win the Super Bowl in the next year or if or it's for nothing? It could you will have Super Bowls in the past, but your team then after that could still be in a bit of trouble for the next five, ten years. Well, the way I think it, Super Bowls are, are rare to get anyway. So um, mm. if a team wins the Super Bowl and then proceeds to fail for the next 10 years, um, that's still probably better than any team have done really bar the Patriots in the past 10 years. So I think yeah. mortgage your future, try to get the Super Bowl. If you do it, then you can take it off for the next 10 years. Really, your fan base will forgive you if you have a Super Bowl. Yeah, I look at it in terms of just the, like you're saying, one Super Bowl. But would you not want to have a setup where you can constantly be going not going to the super bowl but you know going for that super bowl okay yes there is that risk that you either be sustainable and not win it or go all out one year and win it and then suffer the consequences afterwards and that's the thing that i'm worried about would you not want to be that constant um good side like the patriots that you can actually make it Okay, they would win. Don't win one Super Bowl this year, but if they keep working towards and keep building that side, they can win multiple Super Bowls if they have a decent sell. And I see Fiona shaking your head. Yeah, because my problem with that thing is you said like the Patriots, but there is no other team. It's a one team list where you say like the Patriots, where you're building a team, you're a contender, and you're winning across multiple seasons. The NFL is set up that when you win the Super Bowl, it's hardest for you to get back right you don't get the draft picks everyone wants to join your team you're you're as you said like your contracts well yeah all, all these problems so that's designed i think the the rams have kind of timed it perfectly where you want to become a contender and then throw all in on what you feel is your best year crescendo at the super bowl and win it then and then fall off the cliff because i i think for us, maybe as as modern fans, as young fans of the NFL, I think the Patriots have skewed what success is. Yes, absolutely, that's the golden. But that was a that was a dynasty. That was a golden era of Patriots football. They didn't used to do that before, and they don't look anything like doing it now. Once Tom Brady is gone, so sure you want to put as many pieces long term in place. But I, I I completely agree with building that contender then building a, a real push and then one year deciding we're going all out for this. Because like Jake pointed out, the fans are going to be grumpy when you hit a losing streak anyway. You might as well point to a nice shiny trophy in the background than to be a contender. I mean, look at Cincinnati Bengals used to make the playoffs every single year. No one used to think they were a good team though. So like your degree of success has to be measured against the Super Bowl, even if it's only one in 10 years is better than none in 12 or whatever the Washington football team is is currently on at the moment. <laughs> one in 10 years is still good. One in 15 is that's what I'm saying. Brilliant for a Super Bowl. Yeah. It's rare. We have like we do think you, you mentioned there a few the Patriots are a statistical anomaly in all of this because they had like they had obviously perfect things and a lot of it went really well for them. But I think it there's one goal in the NFL get a Super Bowl every year as much as you can. Like, there's no point being a perennial playoff team if you don't have a Super Bowl to show for it. So I think mortgage your future, get the Super Bowl if you feel like you're you're there, if you're a couple of players away, get them and mm-hmm. then go for the Super Bowl and suffer the con- consequences after that. Look, yeah. look at the frustration that's built up in the Green Bay fan base where they are perennially in the NFC Championship game 
and just can't can't make it even just to the Super Bowl. And the frustration is building. They've got Aaron Rodgers, who's been with them since they last won the Super Bowl. So I think fan bases get a little bit tetchy anyway. So I, I agree with that kind of build, 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 and shoot your shot right when you think you're at the apex than to just be perennially pretty good, never get too low, never get too high either. I don't, I don't think fans particularly want that. Yeah, and it's a good point, guys, and I, I, I see where you're coming from. I, like you're saying, I think it is that the fact that we've seen a Patriots dynasty for probably the majority of our fo- football following lives, that that's the sort of success that we want our own teams to have. But that isn't the that's not the norm. Um, that that was an outlier that it probably will be difficult to ever see again. And I understand with that. And um, before we move on to our next topic um just some quick other news that you know we want want to mention first of all um Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley has decided he's going to step away from the game um he decided on Sunday um due to mental health reasons and um, we've seen other players um talk about their mental health struggles in the game most notably Lane Johnson with the Eagles as well so um hopefully um Calvin can uh, get better soon and we see him back in the league uh, sooner rather than later. Thoughts are with uh, him. Also, uh, Henry Ruggs, who was reported today, is going to be charged with DUI, um, resulting in a person's death following a car accident um, last night. Um, Thoughts are with the family of the person who died on this. We won't talk any more about it because it's a case ongoing. Um, if any more details come out, we will, of course, let you know. But that's all I think we're going to mention about that, especially because it happened just recently. Let's move on to the next topic. And it's send in the backups because last weekend was a weekend for the backup quarterbacks. First of all, Geno Smith got his win against the Jaguars. Uh, 100 and 195 yards, two passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown for good measure, too, in their 31 7 win over the Jaguars. Cooper Rush, uh, Sean in the primetime game, Sunday night football, beating, or so to say, leading the Dallas Cowboys to a 20 to 16 win over the Minnesota Vikings. He had himself two passing touchdowns, including the game winning, sorry, excuse me, the game winning drive uh, in that. Uh, let's have a look. See, Trevor Simeon uh, led the Saints to a 36 to 27 win over the Bucks. He himself had 159 yards and a touchdown, too. And then, probably the performance of the weekend Jets backup quarterback Mike White in his first start as an NFL quarterback in the 34 to 31 win over the AFC number one seed in the AFC, Cincinnati Bengals had 405 passing yards with three passing touchdowns and two interceptions. Guys, I'll start with you, Fionn, on this one. It was a weekend for the backups. Yeah, I mean, why? You probably never heard of, but if you go back in the annals of this show, you might have heard his name brought up back when we were doing the preseason. Everyone was going mad about these rookie quarterbacks that were throwing for 300 yards in preseason games. And I said, hold on a minute, guys. This guy, this guy White on the Jets just threw for like 500 yards or something in a preseason game. It means nothing. He's a useless quarterback. We'll never hear his name ever again. Turns out I was only half wrong. He has actually got a lot of yards in him. And and 
I think fair play to him. That was not an easy game either to come in and win. That was a, a very impressive win. I don't think that the Bengals are a particularly bad side. So uh I like I don't think they're I give them credit for where they've got so far. So I think that his performance stands as a as a very good performance. I don't think he got away with a, a shy team, unlike your man, Geno Smith, who did not look particularly good yards-wise against a categorically abysmal football team. Uh, now, I think Metcalf made him look pretty good on several occasions. It's, it's hard to lose when a man like that is running around in the in the Jaguars' defense. Well, so It's pretty simple, Fionn. You throw the ball to your best players. That's all, like, that's all <laughs> he needed to do, and it took him three games to figure that out. Well, look, we did mention when you brought him in, I said, look, it's not the worst backup to have. He was an NFL starter, and he proved that he's going to get those wins. So uh, I don't begrudge him that. But, uh, yeah, I think Michael White stood out, and uh, and your man, Geno Smith, kind of stood back a little bit in these two, in the in the backup games, as you mentioned. I tell you, I was so annoyed watching the, the Cowboys-Vikings game. Like, Cooper Rush just annoyed me how well he played it. I don't know, like that team yeah. is good, the running backs are good, but like, and that's the annoying because I'm not, I hate the Cowboys. But what also really annoyed me was how little the Vikings looked like they wanted to win that match towards the end of it with some very strange play calls offensively on the last uh, couple of snaps there that could have iced the game. Uh, went with a weird pass on like third and 10 or whatever it was that went nowhere, then fumbled the ball, lost the ball, all this weird shit happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cooper Rush looked okay, I guess, but uh, annoying me how good the Cowboys uh, were and the Vikings just didn't look like they wanted it. Um, Trevor Simeon, though, I thought was he played admirable, I guess, um, coming in for the, uh, unfortunately, James Winston tearing his ACL and the MCL damage that he has. But uh, yeah, I thought Trevor Simeon came in and played quite okay. I see, and I think it was Payne Manon had a, a quote there saying that if you were a fireman, um, and every day you train to put out a fire and no fire happened for three or four years. And then eventually a fire happened. You have to be ready to fight that fire. And it looked like Trevor Simeon did that well. So uh, I have to get my hat off for him. I think he did quite well. So hopefully he uh, will play quite well for the next couple of weeks. It doesn't look like the Saints are thinking of signing, signing anyone else or Cam Newton. So it uh, looks good for Trevor, Sim- Trevor Simeon to start again. Well, the question will be whether uh, he'll get back in. Yeah, Taysom Hill I was going to mention. But we already know Taysom Hill's not like Taysom's a gadget quarterback that you'll come in. You can't have him start 100 percent of the game all the time because he'll get figured out mm-hmm. and then you'll start to lose games. They're probably better off going with a 50-50 split, what like they started to do with Jameis and, and Taysom before. Wasn't Taysom mm-hmm. uh, Taysom's on IR or coming off IR? He, no, he wasn't on IR. He just missed the last two games with a concussion. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, but I guess they'll probably go like 60-40 in snap wise, and Trevor will be the actual starting quarterback. And uh, Taysom will probably just do them gadget things that he does. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just a little. Uh, I'm a little wary of of these rookie quarterbacks going forward. Not rookie, sorry, backup quarterbacks going forward. Now it doesn't look like Cooper Rush is going to be playing again. Looks like Dak can be back next week. Seahawks are on a bye, so Gino, but won't be playing next week. Russ got the pin removed from his finger, um, as well. So it looks like he might be back for the the game after the bye, which is at Lambeau against the Packers. You know, Trevor Simeon, their next game is against the Falcons and Mike White's next game is, of course, a Thursday night game against the Colts. I I, I worry because 
I, I just want to go, if we go back to the Thursday night football game a couple of weeks ago when the Seahawks faced the Rams and Gino came in the middle of the game and, you know, balled out for that game because the Rams did not think that he was going to get in the game and didn't prepare. I think that, especially with, with Simeon, he got into the game. The Bucs didn't think he was going to come into the game. They didn't prepare. The Cooper Rush was a late, very late um addition i think it was uh, an hour before kickoff wasn't it or two hours before kickoff i think mm-hmm. that's yeah, when he said that I think was, it was kind of always but yeah 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 um, I, so and look that's also on the vikings as well and and mike zimmer and i have my issues with mike zimmer and thinking that he's sort of getting away with daylight robbery at the moment and not being put on the hot seat but um and then with mike white as well there wasn't a lot of tape on him either now the question is this week you know now the tape is on you. Now teams know the way you like to throw it, who you like to throw it to most. Let's see if you can continue that bit of form that you've been in. I worry a little bit for Mike White this coming Thursday, especially with the short turnaround against the Colts. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Any other points to add to, to those weekend games before we move on? No, but it was nice to see some players that you wouldn't usually see come in and play quite well rather yeah. than the usual crumbling beneath the pressure. So I'll take it. Yeah, true. And look, they played a lot better than a lot of teams. Uh, first choice quarterbacks this week, last weekend too. So, you know, this there's always that. Um, let's move on. And actually, speaking of head coaches, we've come to the midway point of the year. And these next two topics are based on what we think for the second half of the year. Because we're going to talk about head coaches and I want everyone to give me one name of coach that thinks that you think I should say should be on the hot seat. What you've seen so far this year, you know, you've been disgusted by, you think it's terrible. You want this guy to uh, sort things out or show him the door. Jake, I'll go with you first. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Dan Campbell here. Uh, I think it's kind of an obvious-ish choice. Uh, a really terrible football team led by Jared Goff. But apparently I'm seeing all these tweets now where he's blaming players and stuff in the locker room. So he's kind of going that route where players aren't liking him. He's not liking them. He's not performing exactly very well himself. I believe he has some <laughs> game management issues. So yeah. um, although it is quite hard to be fired in your first year as a head coach, um, he might he might do it though. I think uh, seeing the results on the field, they just don't look good. The games don't look pretty. Even with Jared Goff, you'd think you would be able to do a little bit more, but obviously not. And DeAndre Swift as well. I mean, he's fucking deadly as well. So I don't know how they're not doing anything more, but they aren't. And it kind of looks like it's fallen on Dan Campbell's head. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you there with that. And it looks like he, he's blaming Jared Goff a bit there as well. And I think the, the blame is sort of a bit right with that. Like yeah. Jared Goff is, I think, is 0-16 in games where he's not been managed by Sean McVay. And I think it's starting to show now. You know, if I hadn't beforehand, like he's not a good quarterback. And mm-hmm. they made the best decision ever getting him out of Rams. You know, and like, it's so weird because they were at this... Now, I don't know how you can call highs and lows, but they were at this kind of high against the Rams where they were in the game to the very end. They played very well. And then you go to this game against the Eagles and then you just stink the joint out completely. They were so bad. Um, They couldn't stop anything. They couldn't do anything on offense. It's just there was nothing working. And yeah, I, I know you're saying it's hard to get <laughs> fired in your first year as a head coaching role. It's not impossible. 
mm-hmm. and he certainly looks like he'll have a chance at it. Yeah, and don't forget they were they were smashed by the Bengals the week before the Rams game. So it's not like this has been a, an anomaly of of a heavy loss. And you know, most of the time the team are scrapping and they're fighting for them. Jake, you mentioned his issues in the locker room. I think he's kind of well known as being a, a bit of an abrasive guy, a bit of a uh, a hard talker it's his style he's a kind of an attitude coach he likes his teams to have a certain attitude and that's all very well when things are going good when things are going bad it's extra tough to take as a player i think when especially when you're the guy on the pitch getting smashed getting your body beaten up by these bigger faster better players and uh, and he's not really been accountable or at least uh, he hasn't faced many repercussions yet so yeah, I agree. Anytime you've got a bad team with a getting bad results, which is not always the same, the same thing. I think that's the a prime formula for being on the hot seat, Jake. Yeah, I can't. I can't like it's just uh, he's definitely. I, I actually have to check the Paddy Power odds for him to be fired next, but uh, I assume he has to be one of the favorites. Mm-hmm. Well, I think. So. An- another guy who's one of the favorites, and and I've used your formula as well, Jake, for my. Uh, take on who's on the hot seat and that is Urban Meyer another terrible football team receiving terrible coaching getting terrible results Uh, and again problems in the locker room problems off the pitch beyond just straight up play calling and player management and and game management which is I think very worrying so I, I think he's got lucky already I think his seat should be on fire at this point he should be gone Uh, but he's still hanging around he, he made it past uh, being the first coach to be fired, of course, screwed and gone before him. So I think that he should be very happy with that achievement because like, I don't really think he's going to make it to the end of the season. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Okay. No, sorry, I was just going to, I was just going to say I agree. It's, like the level of performance that he got, especially on Sunday, after a bye, that's... that's yeah. Uh, Against the backup, that, and I know against the I know it's, it's Geno Smith, but you knew you were getting a backup. Like, you knew this wasn't Russell Wilson got injured in the first quarter, like we'd already talked about. He knew mm-hmm. what was coming, and he could not yeah. deal with it whatsoever. Just even on the other side of the ball as well, it's against a struggling defense in which the Seahawks are, and they could do nothing. They didn't score until, you know, I think it was less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was an um, and he comes out afterwards and says, Oh, I'm surprised by that performance. If you're surprised by that performance, you're surprised mm-hmm. he didn't put in that performance, you are in a lot of trouble. Yeah, big time. Uh, and for a coach to come in with such like everything that seemed to like he could have done wrong, he just did wrong from the very beginning. Um, and then to have performances like that and just it just doesn't bode well for him. I, I don't know. And he, even he to say to to say I didn't expect that performance really is saying I did everything right and I didn't expect the players to mess it up so bad. Like, where was their fight? I was fighting. Where were they? Like, coach, you really can't say that anymore. This isn't college. This isn't upset city. You're a professional football team. You have to be ready to go every single game. And you have to tell leading up to that game whether your players are ready to go and you need to do something to make it happen. So, yeah, I think really, really on the hot seat, Mr. Urban Meyer. I've seen a a thing there on Reddit. I'll just read it out to you. Urban Meyer's decision on Sunday to kick an extra point while down by 18 in the fourth quarter 
is basically waving the white flag, only then to call an on- onside kick for Trevor Lawrence to throw seven tr- straight passes down by 24 and take a beat and just how- shows how clueless he has really been. Like, that just yeah. Yeah. kind of sums it up. He I mean, see that's an attitude. From that onside kick as well. <laughs> you are? Like, he can see the a- touchdown from that onside kick. <laughs> And that's an attitude problem, right? You don't you don't know what message you're sending your team. Either you're going, look, guys, I know we're down, but hey, I'm still fighting, you're still fighting, we're gonna go for two, we're gonna go for onsides, we're gonna sling this ball around, see how many points we can get. But to go for a grand touchdown kick for one, okay. Now I want an onside kick, and now we're gonna sling the ball around. Really, it's just like makes it seem like you're just closing your eyes and picking something in the playbook and say, Go see if we can make something happen. And then, like I mentioned already, to to give those comments like, well, I wasn't expecting that makes it sound like, oh, that's the player's fault. I had the perfect game plan in place and I wasn't expecting them to play so poorly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the third coach that I think should be on the hot seat is Brian Flores, Miami's head coach. Uh, this is a 10-6 and six side from last season that I've gone 1-7 and seven to start this year. And there hasn't been a lot of changes in that team. Okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick is gone. Okay, you have Tua, who's your guy. It's constantly constant speculation now with Tua uh, and obviously Deshaun Watson. But, you know, the defense isn't as good as it was last year. The offensive play calling is poor. And we know the the issues that Flores has and the way that he loves to fire offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators if they're not working out. But there's something not going wrong, right, I should say, in this team. Something is definitely going, whether it is coaching or not, but obviously Brian Flores is the one that has to take the brunt of the criticism because he is, of course, the the main guy. And I had a look at their, you know, their ins and outs this past offseason. And, you know, they brought in the likes of Will Fuller, Jason McCarthy and uh, Matt Scurlett to help out both the defense, the offensive line, and the receiving core. But it seemed to have helped nothing at all. Like, this wasn't an overhaul the offseason. They tried to keep things ticking over as the rebuild keeps going and might be improved. And we all had them definitely finishing second, probably going to the playoffs this year in our predictions. There's something not right with that team. And and it, it looks as though if Flores doesn't get his act together soon... You know, they could be looking for a new head coach. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Will Full there, but we can't really give Will Fuller any credit because he was suspended for six games and then injured True. for the, the seventh True. game or early in the seventh mm-hmm. game. Uh, but yeah, Brian Flores, he just doesn't look like he has a handle on the team. Doesn't look like Tua is a leader. Doesn't look like anybody really wants to win there. Um, obviously, they only had the... Um, the whole talks of getting Deshaun Watson and stuff like that obviously hasn't panned out. So I don't know. It's just like he he has to be on the hot seat, if not the second favorite to be fired. Well, they lost to the terrible Jaguars, as I've just laid out. So that's a really bad sign. Like it's one thing to be having a bad season, a little bit like the Seahawks. You're not where you thought you were. The team is underperforming, but you know you have talent there, right? And so at a certain certain games, you have to go out and prove it. Like okay, we're being beat by better squads than us but we're still not the worst team around and they went out and they hammered they hammered the Jaguars whereas the the Miami Dolphins managed to lose so I think when you're a bad team there's certain games in particular when you're battling teams around you where you need to make a statement 
and they could not do that so far this season. So, yeah, that's an extra worrying sign for Flores. And the, the defense, again, it's been an underlying theme for all three of these teams we brought up. The defense has been abysmal for all these teams. And it's hard. It's hard to keep your job because a leaky defense makes it look even worse than it is when your offense is a bit impotent. If you can keep games close, looks better on your CV. But when you keep letting 30 points in week in, week out, that's a big struggle. Agreed, agreed. Let's move on to our final topic uh, very quickly here, and it's our hot takes topic, because I want one hot take from each of us, from each of you guys, that you want to take in for the rest of the year. Jake, I'll let you go first on this one. I'll go first. I think um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the hottest take out there, but I, I feel like the Chiefs are missing the playoffs, uh, even though after watching them uh, play my Giants last night in a very pitiful Monday night football game, um they don't look good. Patrick Mahomes doesn't look good. That defense couldn't stop me running through it if, I, if they wanted to. Um, they just don't seem to have it. It looks like the receivers forgot how to catch balls at times, couldn't tackle. Mahomes making strange decisions to run outside the pocket when the pocket was clean. Um, and then it's just, they don't look good. I, I think we we... I think they're one game behind. I don't know if we talked about it or something before, but they're mm-hmm. one game behind, but I feel like they're still feels like miles behind everyone else. They just don't look like they have it this year. And I mean, we talked about it earlier. They did win a Super Bowl, so they're allowed to have a couple of uh, off-seasons and off-seasons. Off so I'll give them a bit of slack there. Yeah, Phil, what is your hot take for the rest of the year? Mine is going to be that Nick Chubb is going to finish the season as the NFL's top rusher. Currently sits third with 584 yards, obviously has some injury issues. The guy ahead of him is Jonathan Taylor of the the Indianapolis Colts, but he's only about 60 yards ahead, having played two games extra. So I think if Chubb can come back and stay healthy, he's going to get the run. Obviously, leading man Derrick Henry out for pretty much what looks to be the, the rest of the season. Uh, so that's going to really hamper him from winning. So, yeah, I'm going to say Nick Chubb is going to lead the NFL in rushing yards. Okay. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I, my one is going to be Jets-related, and I think that Mike White will win more games this year than Zach Wilson. Currently, they both have one win each. Um, it looks likely that he'll get the next three games before Wilson is back. So that's at the Colts on the Thursday night football against the Bills at home, against the Dolphins at home. And then if he's not, if Wilson is not ready, um, the next game after that is Houston away. I think that they could go, if if the fourth game is involved, two and two. If it's only three games, I can think it'd be one and two. And then there'd be five games left for Wilson to win, two games to overtake White. And those games include the Bucks, the Bills, the Eagles, and the Saints. So Mm -hmm. I think that Mike White is going to win more games than Zach Wilson this year. And it was an interesting... uh, I only brought up because it was interesting after the game as someone asked Robert Sala, could Mike White be QB1 if he continues in the form that he he showed on Sunday and he said anything is possible (laughs) I think that was probably the worst comment that the general manager, the owner could have heard coming out of Robert Salah's mouth saying we just spent the second round pick on this guy, he's going to be our guy for the next 10 years and you say this other guy that we could have got, got for nothing is going to be the guy 
but uh, yeah, I don't think he will be. But I, look, I think it'll be it'll be fun for him for the next few years, uh, next few games at least. I think there's a reason Mike White, no one has heard of him before uh, <laughs> he came in the game, and it's not because his ability to throw for 105 yards a game is consistent. It's probably because he's not very consistent. And uh, three mm-hmm. games later, you'll probably see a complete flip on that, where he gets a 79 yard passing game, and that's it, or something along the lines of that. But I don't disagree with your. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will win more games than Zach Wilson, especially with that scheduling. But well, like, the only thing I... sorry, go no, go ahead. Go on. The only thing I will say about that, Dara, is it's very, very, very foolish to bet anything on the Jets ever, anything at all, even if it's oh, just a hot I know. take. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I've got burned by the Jets twice in two weeks now. <laughs> I had them covering the spread against the Patriots. That went well. And then I had the Bengals covering the spread against them last weekend. That went even better, didn't it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, things haven't been great with me and the Jets. But, uh, look, it might be a bit of fun. Hey, he might have that 79-yard and three-interception game this Thursday because he is going up against the likes of the Forest Buckner. So, you know, I hope, you, uh, I hope you're I hope you good uh, leaving the pocket there, Mike, because you might be running for a little bit. But, look, <laughs> I think that is a perfect place to end this edition of the Under Centre podcast. Uh, like I said earlier on, if you haven't already, make sure you're following us on our social channels, twitter.com forward slash Under Centre pod or at Under Centre pod on Twitter, uh, Instagram at Under Centre pod, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Under Centre pod, YouTube, just search Under Center Podcast. That's where you'll find it. you get our YouTube exclusive betting shows where I will not be betting anything to do with the Jets <laughs> anymore. I swear. I promise this. I promise you now. Again, also thank you to our new sponsors, McGowan's uh, Pub in Fisborough. Make sure you go there. You are there every Sunday for their NFL nights upstairs at uh, McGowan's for some great deals on drinks, some great food, and of course, some great NFL action too. Guys, as always, thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back soon with another show. But until then, stay safe and we'll see you soon.